1: 691 2173. Or download your free investor's guide now at buylegacygold.com. That's buylegacygold.com.
3: All right, we'll be talking uh, to the LA County Sheriff, Alex Villanueva, in one hour. You're going to hear our interview. And of course, the big story this morning there was a search conducted at the home of LA County Supervisor Sheila Kuehl. This deals with a nonprofit, the head of which Sheila Kuehl was very good friends with. And this nonprofit, got a lucrative over $800,000 deal to operate some sex harassment hotline for the Metro bus and train system that got no calls, virtually no calls. And it went on for years. There's a no-bid contract, and I guess it's the old, you know, helping out your friend corruption case. So we will talk about it with the sheriff in one hour and give you more on the story a little later on in the show. One of the other big stories that's uh, percolating, John knows well about this. He really did a lot of research. The possible train strike, which particularly when it comes to freight and the supply chain's problems could be a real issue and it could come as early as Friday, a national train
1: strike. A huge amount is delivered by rail. Uh, the, the The whole country would shut yeah, down. Yeah,
3: you're not worried about the passengers and commuters. It's no. It's the freight.
1: No. You can always drive a car, but the freight, I mean, I mean, we're talking about you know oil, coal, Everything that powers uh, our energy grid, our electric grid. And a U.S. state
3: has declared a state of emergency over too many migrants, and it's nowhere near the border. They'll tell you all this coming up in a few minutes. Right now, we're bringing back on the show a guest I had, John, while you were on one of your vacation weeks. Her name is Gail Fortas. Uh, most of our listeners are familiar with Senate Bills 9 and 10. Remember Senate Bills 9 and 10? which were eventually signed by the governor. And this is gonna allow, you know, big sort of high rise apartment development in your single family home neighborhood. This is one of the ways that they think that they're gonna attack the housing shortage. So they wanted to attack single family home neighborhoods by overriding local restrictions on this kind of building. And uh, the story came up from uh, Gail contacted the show. She and a number of other residents are proposing a rather large proposed resident structure in a section of Manhattan Beach, the northern end of Manhattan Beach. And uh, she wrote to us and said that uh, the battle has at least some good developments. And Spectrum News Channel did a uh, did a story on it. It's re- They're recording it High Rose because it deals with two streets where this is near, Highland Avenue and Rosecrans in Manhattan Beach. You get it? High Rose? I get it, yeah. Okay. Well, let's bring her on and... Uh, Gail Fortis,
1: welcome. How are you? I'm good. Hello, gentlemen. Hello there. So uh, explain to people who aren't familiar with this, uh, what kind of structure do they want to put up?
4: Well, they're proposing in a very small part of our town, uh, a 79-unit luxury complex, 73 of them luxury units, six of them designated for low income, which is how they've been able to... Skirt local zoning. They use, you know, the state laws you talked about, SB 9 and 10. um, That allows for skirting local zoning, not doing environmentals, not doing setbacks, not having enough parking, building way over code heights. That's what's happening here.
1: So this is largely a luxury condo building? Yes. So this is not going to have much effect on uh, the housing shortage for uh, the middle class and poor people.
4: Thank you. That's exactly right. There's going to be 73, there's 79 units, 73 of them will be luxury units, the developer's Uh, words. mm -hmm. six of them for low income, which allows them to then
1: misuse the density bonus law and some ministerial rules, you know. Uh, So this is a backdoor way of getting a luxury project approved that ordinarily they couldn't get approved.
4: Thank you. It's called opportunism. A deceptive and privileged developer is misusing state laws that have holes in them, obviously. And uh, that's how they get to come in yeah. and build this.
1: Actually, I know somebody who knows a guy who has a company that does this.
3: You know somebody that knows a guy that has... Yes. <laughs> <laughs> they,
1: they, they no, and, and, and this is exactly what they do. They, they, they build uh, big uh, condos and apartment buildings, and a tiny little bit is uh, reserved for low-income people. And uh he makes billions of dollars putting up these buildings and yeah. it, it, because they, it's a it's a huge loophole that the developers are happy to exploit
3: now Gail, you yeah. say that there was something of a good win for you guys on fighting this right
4: Yes yes a B 2011 what's that it's a, it's an assembly measure that got voted in. At the ninth hour, 9 o'clock at night, at the end of uh, a two-year session for the Assembly and the Senate, the Senate had their bill, but the Assembly had this AB 2011. And what it does, among other restrictions, is it says when you're building affordable housing, um, it needs to have a 3,200-foot buffer from, among other things, a refinery you know, high fire areas. And that, yes. And in this, in our particular corner, Chevron Refinery, a hundred year old refinery, is right next door. It abuts the property Whoa. of this 79 unit monstrosity they're going to build.
3: <laughs> oh, wait, I, wow. How can you have luxury housing near a refinery? That's going to work.
1: Say, if I, I had <laughs> a lot of money, I'm not going to get People
3: a, want to live in Manhattan Beach, John.
1: They don't care. A condo next to the Chevron Refinery. Yes, you know, it's
4: walking. It's walking distance to the beach. Manhattan Beach is a lovely community. Beach town, low profile. You know, for somebody looking to build, we suspect that there may be some short term rental intentions there. Uh, and we've talked about that. So we're pretty sure that's part of the deal, which will be big money making for the city and the developer himself.
3: Now, you're right, though. Newsom hasn't signed this bill yet, though no
4: so he has 30 days to sign and the bills themselves both the assembly bill and the senate bill had input from the governor and one of the things they quibbled on was the 3200 foot uh, buffer from a refinery or high fire district and newsom approved it that was an agreement he made specifically on that item but other items as well you know we want Affordable housing. We need affordable housing. We need housing. Period.
1: Now, I mean, it, put- it, is this a coincidence that this bill passed at the same time that you were uh, protesting this construction, you know, or, or, or did was there somebody, uh, a legislator involved, and was representing well, your interests?
4: From our from our understanding, this is something, and we read it in the paper. L.A. Times is where we read about this, like on a Monday, and boom, we let the city know about it on Tuesday, which has affected their vote. I might add, but oh, when, I we, see. when we yeah, when we learned of it, it's something that's been in the making for almost two years, and the two couldn't agree. You know, the Senate and the Assembly couldn't agree, and then they came to an agreement, and you know, our group started mobilizing, I don't know, three or four months ago. And among the things that we have on our website is a button that says what, you know, information about what's going on and what we represent. You know, we want more housing. We welcome that, but do it safe, you know, and do it, follow local zoning that all the rest of us have to follow. And we said what you can do. And we have a button that clicks and says, send emails, send letters to our local city council. And we also had, Uh, send emails to our state legislatures. So maybe a bunch of emails went out, which we can see happen because we have a list of people who've registered on our site and we can see the emails going. We could have helped move that along. And since the session after two years came to an end on August 31st, they just mobilized. You know, that was on a Monday. And by Wednesday, they had that bill out at 9 p.m. And now it's waiting for the governor to sign. So I'd like to think Maybe yeah. Chill the Build has something to do with well, instigating something. And you
3: mentioned that your, your local Manhattan Beach City Council has to approve this project, and they've delayed the vote, huh?
4: Twice now. So the, the City Com- Planning Commission approved it, and we appealed that. And we heard there were appeals on that. And then the City Council, we appealed to, appealed to the City Council saying, look, don't do this. Do do an environmental. Take a look. This is right next to a refinery, not to mention the gridlock traffic and all these other, you know, collateral damage from doing a thing like this. And so as they came to a vote, that particular meeting with a bunch of, of us speaking out and emails galore, 500 emails came from local residents to the wow. city council.
1: Oh, Good. I'm More good. than
4: more than any other issue. And so the meeting went to midnight, and the council said, we're not going to vote. We, we don't make good decisions at midnight. Let's make, do this at the next meeting. So then the next meeting came up, and we were mobilized to them, sending emails and rousing the troops to come show support and hopefully speak. And— Before that meeting, like three or four hours before that meeting, they said they want to look into this more from a legal standpoint, recognizing public outcry, both. So three hours before the meeting, they pulled it off the agenda. So that was the second stay. And so now the vote is set for the next meeting, which is September 20th, next Tuesday, this coming Tuesday, actually, yesterday.
3: Yes. Well, Gail, good good work by you and all your crew. Give people the website again, where they can find out more about this proposed uh, abomination project.
4: Yes. So, and and we're in support of housing, but the right thing, the right. what belongs there. Our website is Chill the C-H-I-L-L-T-H-E, Build, C H I L L T H E Build B U I L D dot com, and this this what what we're trying to do really should go statewide for cities that are experiencing this state overreach and skirting local zoning and overbuilding and ruining communities.
3: I agree. All I, right. Yeah, Thank thanks. you very much. Keep us updated. Good work to you, you and your whole group.
4: Thank you, gentlemen.
3: All right. They didn't kill it yet, but they're working hard in the neighborhood of Manhattan beach from fighting back against one of these uh, high rise constructions, 73 unit building and, John, I don't know if you know the name. Well, actually, you kind of do, because you used to go no. to—is it Sloopies or Sloopies? Yeah, yeah, it's right near there. Great, yeah. is that still there? You're not going to see anything like this there for Great so that's why. Cheeseburgers, kind of...
1: Sloopies. Uh, I haven't right, been there got, in a while.
3: We got more coming up. Oh well, it's time to visit the border. Well, actually, not the border, but a number of states who are playing—I guess some sort of version of musical migrants is what <laughs> I would call it. <laughs> Now, as you know, Texas was busing some of the migrants that have overwhelmed. Boy, there's a big story in El Paso we may have time to get to, but wow, they have been inundated with a rush of immigrants that uh, Biden's allowing into the country, <clears throat> because basically now it's, oh, you're claiming asylum? OK, it's like the good old days. Uh, we'll see you in a couple of years in court. Meanwhile, here you go. Enjoy America. So they're fanning out. So what Texas did was bust some of them to places like Washington, D.C., New York City and Chicago. We have a story now that New York City is helping the migrants who were bused from Texas to New York City to relocate to other states. That's why I called it musical migrants.
1: They're sending uh, a lot of them to Florida.
3: Florida, that's right, DeSantis, a Republican state. Is that that the the idea here?
1: Yeah, I I imagine it is, sure. Texas sends it to New York, a Democrat state, and then uh, New York sends it to Florida, a Republican state. And, and uh, the mayor of Chicago uh, sent some of her migrants to the suburbs.
3: Yes. And the other development this afternoon, that is, the governor of Illinois has declared an emergency for Chicago because of all the asylum seekers who are poured <laughs> into that city by bus from Texas. Hey, it's a sanctuary city. An emergency disaster proclamation was <laughs> issued by the, uh, I guess he's a fat-headed guy. You ever see Pritzker in Illinois? Pritzker, oh, he
1: wants to be president. He's, he's a, got uh, that uh, that uh, chin thing that you... Uh, he, chin back. Chin back. No, he's, ex- he's from an extremely wealthy family. He, he's kind of like Newsom. Like, he's from a wealthy family. Oh, he's, is that he's, right? He's accomplished nothing on his own, and he wants to be president.
3: Oh, I see. So he's getting involved in this face-off, too, so he can get himself some national attention. Uh, everybody's
1: huh? got to position themselves. <laughs> yeah.
3: More than 11,000 migrants have arrived in New York City since May as part of this standoff. Thousands more expected to be going forward each week, according to the mayor of New York City, Illinois. Apparently, Chicago got inundated by hundreds of migrants. More than 500 were sent there. And basically what happens is they overwhelm. I think in New York City, they're overwhelming the homeless shelters. They just they don't have enough room to house everybody. So,
1: well, uh, yeah, that's why they're squealing like uh, little piggies, <laughs> because they, they don't know what to do. The, 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 it was cheap rhetoric. It was virtue signaling when it was fashionable to welcome immigrants into our sanctuary city. And then Greg Abbott actually sent hundreds and hundreds of them. And now they're howling in, in, in indignation. <laughs> they don't they don't want the immigrants. They, I mean, if you're sending them to other states, what are you saying? It's like, get out of here. Here's another bus for you. We don't want you. They're, no, they're, no, 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 you can promote no yourself
3: thing. as a sanctuary city or a sanctuary state and not... <laughs> remember, we took in, and I, I guess nobody made a fuss, because remember, uh, I forget which state official was welcoming migrants. Remember, uh, it was a couple of years ago, there was some situation oh, yeah. with the border going on. Oh, and,
1: I imagine Abbott will start sending them to L.A. And they
3: came to a shelter in Long Beach, and they came to a couple of
1: places in, yeah. in the state. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I remember, wasn't there a big, uh, uh, in Murrieta, wasn't there a big commotion?
3: Yes. Over it's... migrants
1: showing up by the busloads. Right.
3: I think this was children that we were taking and I forget what the issue was but there was yeah. something about migrant children at the border who were received in Suffolk. So well they've all been
1: exposed but... you know you know for the rest of your life that the mayor of Chicago Lori Lightfoot is a big lying stinking hypocrite so is the mayor of New York so is the mayor of Washington DC now you know when they say this stuff they're just faking it they're just faking it to get approval from uh, their progressive fans but they don't mean it
3: or are they trying to be political here and trying to make a point about these evil, cold-hearted Republican governors doing this and well, uh, got, we're trying to help well, but we're overwhelmed and we just need more money? And- they're,
1: they're, they're turning it around in the way Sheila Kuehl tries to turn around the raid on her house against Villanueva and make it an issue of Villanueva. That's what you, uh, they're taught to do in modern politics. That's what these uh, consultants tell you to do and your staff tells you to do, is like, let's change the subject. Now let's make it about the cold-hearted policies of Governor Abbott and Governor DeSantis. Because, because you know the media is going to lap that up, and they're going to amplify that fake angle of the story. The truth is, they have no interest in taking care of these migrants. They don't have any services. They don't want to spend the money. There's nothing they can do for the migrants. And they don't want to, They because they, they don't care about them. Why would they care about them? You get you get all hundreds of strangers suddenly come into your city and uh, you're awakened, you're the mayor, right? And you're awakened. It's like, hey, we have uh, 300 migrants on buses. What do you want to do with them? It's like I don't want to do anything with them. Send them to Florida. I don't like. We don't have a program for this.
3: All right When we come back, well, come Friday, there might not be any trains to put them on. There's a possible nationwide train strike, which is particularly going to affect the freight and the supply chain. If it happens, we'll talk about it next. Johnny Ken,
1: KFI. All right,
3: we've been talking to the L.A. County Sheriff, Alex, being away the with a big story today. The search of the home of L.A. County Supervisor Sheila Kuehl. It all deals with an investigation into a nonprofit headed by a very close friend of Sheila Kuehl's and a political contributor, which may have gotten, well, did get hundreds of thousands of dollars to run a sex harassment hotline for the metro system that got virtually no response. No calls. So we'll play you the story in the next segment from Fox 11 to get more detail on this. And then we'll talk to the sheriff right after the news at five o'clock. Well, come Friday, we may have a big rail strike. What do you say? Rail? Huh? Freight rail. Yeah. Two of the largest unions representing 57,000 conductors and engineers have not agreed to a deal which could prompt a big strike. Or the railroads could just lock out passenger rail agencies and workers. One or the other could happen. And of course, uh, the most well-known of these would be Amtrak. Amtrak has already canceled all of its long-distance trains starting Thursday. And other rail systems are getting ready, too, for possible shutdowns. Now, the impasse seems to be tied largely over the issues of sick time and penalties for missing work. Does that sound a little bizarre?
1: Yeah, but I'm, I'm looking through some news stories on this, and that is the truth, because they have worked with uh, two different federal agencies to try to negotiate this agreement. There There's 12 unions, and two of the 12 unions are refusing to sign a deal. The other 10 are. But half of the railway workers are represented by these two unions. And 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 they're fed up with a lot of stuff. Now, they're getting a 24% pay increase. That's in the deal. That is the largest increase in the history of national bargaining. How many years is that over? Um, I that don't know. It can't be one year increase. Well, this negotiation has gone on for three years. So <laughs> they started in 2019.
3: Uh, then it might be over three, four, or five years. Yeah. All right.
1: So the health benefits stay the same, and they have like what they call a platinum package, right? So they have excellent health benefits. Uh, They get one more day of paid leave, and they're getting a more generous travel expenses policy uh, for some of the workers. Now, most of the unions said, okay, this is a good deal. It was recommended by a federal commission. Here's the two sticking points for two of the unions. And one of the unions is the Brotherhood of Locomotive Engineers and Trainmen. So these uh, these are the guys who actually drive the train. So if they're not working, then nobody's working. The union they they have no um they have no paid sick leave.
3: And- they don't. They apparently have some sort of point-based attendance policy and they're claiming that if you just go to a routine doctor's visit or attend a family emergency, you could be fired. That's what they're claiming.
1: Yeah. It's like if you miss like one if you go to one doctor's appointment, that uses up half the points for the whole year, so there's there's no leeway over the course of the year, if you've got uh, uh, illnesses. So the unions want 15 days of paid sick leave, and the federal agency that was trying to mediate this said, "Well, this this could be very costly. This is very broad. You know, we sh- you should you should go." But to everybody our- has sick leave. Yeah, most, so I, most
3: I, firms do. Most companies. I don't understand. One of the union guys says we've had guys who've been punished for taking time off for a heart attack or having COVID. It's inhumane.
1: Well, if you have virtually no sick leave, and from what I've read, that's true. What,
3: uh, do you use your uh, vacation time then, or they don't allow I, I, that either? I,
1: I, I don't know. I don't know. But uh, this would be the first rail strike in 30 years, and it's it's largely over that issue because a lot of the other issues have been agreed to. They've been wor- Like I said, they've been working on this for three years, and they've had two federal agencies— try to craft a deal, and 10 out of the 12 unions have said okay.
3: Now, the thing of this is, it could be a big problem, too, for the economy. A strike could shut down nearly a third of the country's freight, according to people that follow the industry. And a freight railroad shutdown could devastate Amtrak operations. About half of commuter rail systems run at least partially on tracks or rights-of-way owned by the freight railroads, and they would not be able to do that if there is this strike. So that's one of the reasons that Amtrak is already acting and canceling some of their long-distance hauls to try to get ahead of this.
2: Well, Uh, well, I
3: guess what happens Friday is what they refer to as the cooling-off period expires. That's something that the government invokes to tell both sides to just take a break for 30 days or
1: more and keep talking. They don't have to strike on Friday, but they could. They could, and I guess right. they're they're threatening that three hundred thousand barrels of crude oil a day, moved by rail every day. Uh, Five million barrels of propane—that's a third of U.S. consumption—are moved by rails every month. Seventy percent of the ethanol, seventy-five percent of coal, is moved by rail. So this basically is the whole energy industry, right? Because this would affect oil, gasoline, coal, propane. And and, uh, and ethanol.
3: Yeah.
1: And then there's, in fact, they've already stopped shipment of those um, substances because they don't want flammable chemicals stuck on railroad tracks halfway to the destination if they suddenly call a strike at midnight on Friday.
3: Now we have the Railway Labor Act of 1926. <laughs> That's how old this problem is. It allows Congress to intervene. There's things that they can do to prevent these work stoppages. And there are some that think that that is probably what will happen. And even, you know, Biden, they get involved to prevent this from happening on Friday. So says here the Biden what? administration right now is trying to work out a deal. What?
1: But forming contingency plans, too, though. There's a senator from Mississippi who says, let's pass a bill that forces an adoption of all the recommendations from that Federal Negotiation Agency. Oh, yeah,
3: I saw that. Known as
1: the PEB. And uh, that would be binding and would avert a strike. All Congress has to do is pass it. And uh, the Democrats control both houses. But they'd be telling two labor unions, go screw yourself. You're not going to strike. You're accepting the federal government's deal. And since the Democrats run the House and the Senate... That's not easy to do, right. They don't want they don't want to tell the unions to accept uh, a, a deal that they don't like.
3: It's really an odd thing to be hung up
1: on. Time off to go to the doctor? Well, because what what they, they were they were far apart on the wage increase. the the, the rail carriers were offering a 17% increase. And the union wanted thirty one percent. So this federal agency just split the difference. Right. Which is generally what everybody does in life, right? Ultimately. <laughs> you end up beating halfway. But the uh, neither side wants to do that. I, I don't understand not giving sick leave, yeah. especially when you have Yeah, that's pretty that's pretty strenuous. One of the
3: train operator spokesholes says that's false. You may have heard from Labor that they have no sick days or paid time off. That is false. They have a supplemental sick leave benefit. They can take time off for any reason as long as they maintain what he called a reasonable level of overall availability under carrier attendance policies.
1: Yeah, I don't know what that means.
3: They have to be available to come to work just in case they're needed because somebody else called in, you know, well, for a day off.
1: Or- it, yeah, I, I, I suppose these things get really complicated and not easy for uh, anybody outside the business to understand. But I just don't think they would be striking unless they really felt that they've been getting screwed on the sick leave. Yeah. I mean, they're claiming they can't make a doctor's appointment. Now, is that hyperbole? They're, they're, they made that up? I don't know.
3: Another reason to oppose the expansion yeah. of rail travel. It gets complicated like high-speed rail. <laughs>
1: it's right. All right, we got more coming John
3: up. John and Ken KFI. Coming up right after the news Sorry, at 5 o'clock.
1: <clears throat> I'm back. What? My headphones you, went out. I just, we'll just sit there quietly then. All right, sorry. Um, Didn't mean to interrupt. Go ahead.
3: The Mighty Sheriff is coming on at 5.05.
1: Yes, Alex Villanueva. Complete with a 10 gallon hat. To rebut Sheila Kuhl. Sheila Kuehl got raided today. Well, her house got raided. Uh,
3: and- We're going to play the story from Fox 11 in a moment, but, you know, well, now we know. She was ready for the media. She even had that great line about they came here with their their chains a clanking, uh, all these uh, dressed guys like it was a drug raid. She really prepared herself for no. the media because apparently she got tipped off. She got tipped off that they were coming to search her yeah. home.
1: Yeah, and and the the, the, the normal people know that um, uh, corrupt politicians get raids and they show up. They show up with all their paraphernalia, whatever they think they're going to need. So it wasn't for a drug raid. It was it was a corrupt politician raid.
3: <laughs> you never know what kind of resistance you can get from this 80-year-old woman. All right. Here is the uh, the story ahead of uh, the sheriff's appearance. You're completely up to date about uh, this big development today from Fox 11 reporter Bob DiCastro.
0: Sheriff's deputies have just left the scene here, so the search warrant has been executed. In fact, Supervisor Kuehl has been standing out here the whole time. She just went back inside her home here in Santa Monica. Our photographer, Sam Dubin, was here first on the scene here and shot these pictures. Supervisor Kuehl said it was quite startling around seven o'clock this morning. Sheriff's deputies came here armed with a search warrant. They were banging on the door very loudly. Sam Dubin tells us it took a a while for Supervisor Kuehl to come out, but she finally Stood outside, they handed her that search warrant, and they searched inside the home. I think it's important for our viewers to understand what is happening here. The search warrant, according to Supervisor Kuehl. she believes it's all involved, uh, involving this investigation into uh, allegations of corruption and pay-to-play. Pay- this was a focus of a Fox Eleven investigation into a no-bid contract for Metro to run their twenty-four-seven sexual harassment hotline. It was a bid of about eight hundred. Thousand dollars, and it didn't go through any sort of a process. It, it went to this nonprofit or a charity with no bids. Well, it turns out that the head of that charity and nonprofit is best friends, or one of Sheila Kuehl's best friends. In fact, that woman, Patty Giggins, is also officiated her wedding. So, uh, our Sam Dubin was out here and asked Supervisor Kuehl about that and what they might find inside her house. Here's what she had to say.
4: Last week, uh, there was a tip to the LA Times. I, I don't know by whom, probably by this couple. And the LA Times called, and I said I don't know anything about it. Um, and no one ever came. And then last night, about ten thirty, my county council texted me and said that she had gotten a tip. I think, uh, probably from the inspector general, uh, who got the call, that at seven a.m. they were showing up and coming to my house. I mean there's there's nothing related to anything anywhere. I don't know what could possibly be found and Patty was sold, there's no ongoing investigation. So there's no basis for that.
0: Supervisor Keel claims that this is all politically motivated. You may know that she and uh, the sheriff, who is now up for re-election, have had a tumultuous relationship over the past couple of years. Now, our Fox 11 investigation did show that there were emails that possibly tied Sheila Kuehl to that no-bid contract. Of course, that there will be more coming up as uh, this investigation unfolds. We should tell you that there were three separate search warrants that were executed. All across L.A. County, at her home, at Patty Giggins' home, and also at Metro's home. And that uh, search warrant will soon be unsealed. And as soon as we get more of that information about what this is all about, we will bring that to you.
1: Bye. Hi, it's
3: Fox 11's Bob
1: DeCastro. Just listening to that again, her uh, defense is a whole lot of nonsense. Just the appearance of it alone. What do you think happened? Sheila Kiel's best friend, Gets eight hundred thousand dollars worth of no bid contracts. On its face, that's corruption. Out of all the, this is a phone line they set up. It's a phone line. It's a it's a phone line with uh, an, an answering device. No, she Voice says fan. she had no
3: involvement. Who gave Metro the name of this peace over violence group to possibly okay. award the contract to? Me?
1: Where'd that come uh, from? Wait, are you telling me? That her best friend, her best friend gets an eight hundred thousand dollar contract, and Sheila Kuehl knows nothing about it.
3: She's acting like I knew I See, was not involved. Is, is, I didn't know anything. Is that
1: possible? Imagine you have a best friend, and they get eight hundred thousand dollars from the from, organiza- from
3: county money, right? Yeah,
1: it, it, that's the organization. Yeah, the county is an organization that Sheila Kuehl runs,
3: and and Sheila Kuehl's on the Metro Board. which Is on the Metro Board.
1: Too. So imagine you have a best friend. And you're involved in two organizations, and she's getting $800,000 from two organizations that you oversee. I mean, that's clearly a lie, right? Clearly. And and this this, this, this Giggins woman has given, and, so, and, and other employees has given Kuhl, thousands and thousands of dollars in political contributions. And this, to me, is the most damning thing. If there was a if there was a contract for five hundred thousand dollars or more, by law, Kuhl and the other supervisors have to vote on it publicly. That contract in question was for four hundred ninety-four thousand dollars.
3: All right. When we come back, Sheriff Villanueva to talk about this and another aspect of this that just came up this afternoon. And you heard Sheila Kuhl talk about how she got tipped off about
1: this search. That shouldn't be happening. Coming up. John and Ken show, and Mark Reiner has the news, KFI AM640. It's never been more important to diversify your financial portfolio.
3: Well, that's right. The S&P is down 20% from the last year, and this year looks
1: even worse. Gold and precious metals offer a hedge against inflation and stock market volatility. And Legacy Precious Metals is the company Ken and I trust. Protect your retirement
3: account by rolling it into a gold-backed IRA or have metals shipped directly to your door.
1: Call our friends at Legacy Precious Metals today. At 866-691-2173.
2: Or visit buylegacygold.com.